Hello and welcome to another of Political Yeti's Politics Podcasts. I'm James Miller, journalist, author. The Gender Agenda is still out now and uh, if you listen all the way to the end of the podcast I might even let you have a um, discount code. And broadcaster, if you missed me on Channel 5 News last night, you can catch me on a Women's Hour special Yes, a Women's Hour special about my book on Monday. In the meantime, I am in the Catford Bridge Tavern and I am joined, uh, as nearly always, by John Walker, political editor for the Birmingham Mail. Hello. Hello. Uh, stopped by on his way to the train station to catch a train to Paris. Yeah. City of dog poo and tramps. That'll be nice, wouldn't it? It's going to be beautiful and fantastic. Um, um, they do have very good tramps there. Um, and back after his uh, insightful and entirely inaccurate election analysis, it's um, new media guru and former Lib Dem spin doctor Matt Withers. Hello. And I'm delighted to be joined for the first time by, because it's the first time, I haven't got any lengthy... Uh, mocking introduction. She is the uh, news editor at Reaction. It's Olivia Utley. Hello. Hello. Thank you for coming. Um, let's, as we have done every week through the summer, try to find something to talk about. Uh, I think we've got things to talk about this uh, this week. Um, let's start with you, Matt, since you're closest, as it were, go around the table. Um, your big event of the week. Well, I think what everybody's talking about is uh, this idea of a new party, a new centrist party that would unite the uh, disparate wings of the, the Labour moderates and the Conservative Remainers, which is being very energetically pursued on Twitter by James Chapman. Very well put. Um, now, let's, first of all, is everyone talking about it or is it just people on Twitter? Well, by everyone, I probably was just talking about people in Twitter. People in the media, I think people in politics as well, yeah, it's probably not what people who are currently watching the Champions League game on the other side of the pub are chatting about now. What is going on with James Chapman? Olivia, John, you are probably closer to it than either of us on this side of the table. Any, any ideas? Well, I think quite a lot of people are just asking, who is James Chapman? He seems well, to have kind yeah. of bubbled out of nowhere um i know he was well known in very specific circles but yes kind of hmm, okay hello james chapman this is interesting um and he's just kind of lost it on twitter i mean maybe not lost it maybe maybe lost it it's hard to say with the it's he's really really dividing opinion well this is the thing isn't it i mean has he has he lost it i mean he has um burst out as you said burst out of nowhere in the sense that obviously Probably certainly me and John knew him from the lobby because he was yes. at Daily Mail for a long time. Uh, he then went off to work for George Osborne and then for David Davis. Um, and he's then gone on holiday to Greece. And I mean, I was—I I don't know if I've mentioned it on this podcast in the last couple of weeks, but I was on holiday in Greece. And um, I found better things to do than go on Twitter every day and try and start <laughs> a new party. But that seems to be, you know, what I did on my holidays is start a new party well there are two elements to this i mean one is james he appears to be serious about starting this party which he calls the democrats and uh, he says it's gonna well i think there's really planned to be an event on uh, the 9th of uh, september in uh, parliament is square nine, is it nine nine no it's nine nine forgot what year it was then, which was some sort of march for for europe but he's going to use that it seems as uh a platform to launch his new party, which apparently he plans to lead himself. Now, um, if you were hoping to start a party which would get people like the odd Labour MP, maybe someone like Chukwu Amuno just 
uh, to name somebody at random, uh, the old Tory, someone like Anna Subi, the sort of pro-Europeans, if they were going to join a new party, it wouldn't be a party led by this James Chapman, it would be one that they led themselves. I mean, I think he may have a bit of a, a shock if he really believes that he's going to get support for this new venture. I mean, just to, to pick up on the fact that obviously we, we know him from the lobby, uh, I mean, I don't know him particularly well, oh. but I would not have expected him to post pictures of himself naked on the internet and start calling people names whilst on holiday and try and start a new party. He seemed like a fairly sort of fairly straight, fairly quiet sort of chap. Maybe entirely competent, but not, well, not this person who's on Twitter. <laughs> that fair to say? I mean, he, he was a well-known figure, a political editor of the yeah, Daily yeah. Mail. He, he was a guy who would brief journalists about what George Osborne, the Chancellor, yeah. was thinking. And then with David Davis, I don't think he played quite the same media-facing role, no, but he was chief, chief, of chief of staff to David Davis. Um, this is a side of him that people haven't seen. I mean, he's got a lot of attention on Twitter, and um, perhaps we should just mention some people who... Uh, some people on Twitter, Guido Fawkes has, has run a piece saying that... Um, uh, concerns about what's going on with him and, and James has responded himself and said yeah. oh, that's a load of rubbish so nobody quite knows what's going on there. Absolutely, I mean, yes there have been accusations obviously coming from certain people um, about something maybe wrong with him but um, he's right isn't he? He's attacked Isabel Lookshot for making up the story about David Cameron and the pig. Not a lot of evidence for that story. Not he says that Nadine Doris writes rotten books. I confess, I've not read any of her books, but I think that's probably true. I read an extract I mean, once. It was no Oscar Wilde. No, I mean, is he? I get that he's saying things that seem out of character, but is he saying anything that is um, actually that outrageous? I, yeah, I think the only the only thing that seems um, outrageous is, as you say, the idea of him leading that. I can't imagine tuning into Radio 4 and hearing, so Rachel Reeves, what do you make of the latest exploiters from your, your leader on Twitter? Um, I mean, he does raise a fair point um, about a lot of people, or again, a lot of people in media and politics circles, think that with Labour making a sharp move to the left and the Conservatives really being captured by that, that hard Brexit wing, that it opens up a huge gap in the centre of politics. Whether anything will come of it, um, history would suggest that it's incredibly difficult to do, um, certainly under our electoral system. Um, it's a very difficult to do just in terms of building the party, putting together the actual infrastructure um, which we which we know. Um, it's a problem in that people tend to be very loyal to their parties, particularly Labour. Labour must be one of the only political parties in Europe where people have to go to their conference and express their actual love for it in order to get around <laughs> the applause. That said, you know, if you are Anna Subri or you are Chukra Muna and you look at the lie of the land in politics for the next 5, 10, 15 years, What's in it for you just to stay in that party with a leadership whose entire philosophy you fundamentally disagree with it? Why not, why not just give it a go? Um, just a couple of things there. Don't say it. if I was Anna Subri or if I was Chukramuna. I would be so happy to be Anna. Anna Subri has got the best hats in politics. Her hats are amazing. And Chukramuna is obviously the most beautiful man in politics. End of. Olivia, you work for Reaction. Yes. Noted right-wing outlet. Fair to say? Uh... I'd say... Broadly. Centre-right, yeah. All right, but, you know, clearly um, uh, James Chapman is a man who's gone for the Daily Mail, he's gone to work in the Conservative government, he's, uh, you know, he says he's left the Conservative Party now. Um, are you hearing from people who know him better than I do going, what the heck is going on? Or have you got some sort of insight into what the heck is going on? Well, I've heard quite a lot of rumours that there must be someone behind him, that perhaps he's kind of paving the way for someone else. Um, Who? 
don't know, don't oh. know. But the, there's some MP who's not quite brave enough to come forward yet, some 2010er who's... Ooh. I don't know, because it seems at the moment like he's got some good ideas Chica? and some good backing. Maybe check out. He's my MP. Mm. Um, but he's got some good ideas and good backing, but he seems like almost ridiculously lazy like it can't quite be true how lazy he is like the amount he seems to fancy himself as the new macron it's like we march yes, seriously like is, is that a joke we march on. And also the democrats like do titles the parties with democrat in their name been doing well recently like doesn't yeah. doesn't seem like it's like everything's there behind the scenes and then the image given to the public is just a bit a bit lazy and maybe it's like he's there to get to you know, stoke up the support, get everyone behind yeah. him, and then this, some twenty tenner who's got him fronting for them will come forward and say, "Yeah, this James Chapman's got all the right ideas, but it's going to be this. It's going to be slightly different." <laughs> yeah, it's going to have that's less. It's going to have less intemperate language. Yeah. Um, basically, what we're saying is none of us know what the hell's going on with James Chapman, but something. Stay tuned, and it's going to be fun, right? Okay, this is going to be yeah. quite a ride. But um, it is a. Well, I mean, in a way, forgive me, but more important than what's happening with this one guy is the fact that there is a void in British politics, not just in terms of uh, a sort of centre party, but the the key feature of this party Chapman wants to create is that it will be pro-EU membership yeah. and there's nowhere for people to go really who oppose Brexit at the moment. The Tory is clearly a pressing ahead with a fairly hard version of Brexit. Yeah. Labour have got exactly the same policy as the Tories except that they're less willing to talk about it but when you get down to it they want to leave the single yeah. market, yeah, yeah. they want to end freedom of movement even though you could leave the EU and keep the single market and keep freedom of yes. movement as possible. Both major parties are hard Brexit parties We've got the Lib Dems who are still pro-EU, but for some reason, and we could discuss why this is, I don't know why, but the Lib Dems are failing to make any headway at the moment, and they certainly were under Tim Farron at least. So there seems to be a huge... If you are still pro-EU, if you think that Brexit is a disaster and driving Britain off a cliff, where do you go? Who do you support? That's where the gap is, and that's what he's talking about. Is, is there is there still really that gap? I mean, I voted Remain very passionately. I campaigned for Remain. I was very upset when the Brexit broke. You're going to get sacked. <laughs> 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 I'm not sure if Ian knows that, actually. But I did. And now the result came through, and I did just think, well, I'm, I, I care about Remain, but I more care that I live in a democracy, and we're going to find a way to make this work. And I think the problem with both... well. The problem, well, I think the problem with Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn is neither of them have very very many interesting ideas about Brexit. Like that's yeah. what the country wants. It's not. I don't think there are so many. Uh, YouGov poll recently has said that there are 85 percent of people now want to, in some way, press ahead with Brexit. Get I don't think there are that many. I think in the Westminster bubble and the Twitter bubble, there are a lot of people who who want to who want to stay in the EU. But I don't think. I, I don't know. I'm in that bubble, but I don't. I don't know if it's that. If it's quite as big as we we imagine. This chasm in the centre. I think a lot of people just want it to go away, don't they? I mean, most yeah, most normal people really don't give a fig and want it to go away. If you had another referendum, you know, it wouldn't be 85-50. It would be close. And if the arguments were made properly and blah blah blah, I think it probably you'd get close to 50-50 again. You know or take a few percentage points but yeah I think most people exactly as you say essentially just want it to go away get on with it and leave me alone do it know? and do it well yeah. and the problem is that we haven't got we haven't really got any good politicians at the moment I think what we need is good politicians and good ideas Ooh. rather um, than well we've got good politicians they're just 
buried on the back no, benches. That, yeah, well, absolutely. There's a, like, come on, that, that's an alleyway I'll pursue. I'll go down that, that, that alleyway. Good politicians. Well, I mean, think interesting at the, at the weekend, the name of David Miliband has been touted around as oh. the great saviour in circles again. I'm Banana which, boy. Yeah, well, indeed, that's not about it. He's a pathetic man. It does, I wouldn't go as far as to say he's a, a pathetic man, but it, it would certainly seem like quite a, a backwards move to to look to that new Labour era. Absolutely, that's pathetic. Come on, here's a man who saw Gordon Brown leading his party to disaster and went, oh, I've got a banana. I mean, that was the said, that was the long initial bit. It's, an, had it's an interesting praisey like James Chapman it's true isn't it it might, might seem you know uh, intemperate but it's true essentially yeah I, I think um, personalities apart if people are looking uh, back to figures from the new Labour era then I think perhaps they're, they're posing the wrong questions who are the good politicians in Olivia mouldering on the back benches well I think James Cleverly on the Conservative backbenchers has yeah. something going for him. He's yeah. doing seriously well on Twitter. He's funny. He's charismatic, which actually yeah. goes he's quite far. He's also very pro-Brexit. Yeah. Okay. James Cleverly. Um, anybody else, John? You got any any good good MP good politicians we've got? I mean, the obvious Laura one that people Pidcock. go. Laura Pidcock. Oh yeah. no 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 no. Yeah. She's got the Durham no, one. No no no. Yeah. Gave a, a brilliant uh, maiden speech about what a terrible place the houses departments are, how they reek of uh, privilege. Right. First of all, that's boring. Everyone's done it before. Everyone, oh, we're going to compare it to Nye Bevan. You know why? Because Nye Bevan's from like history, and he said the same thing. It's not original. Video of her speech got about secondly, five million views on oh, Facebook. Yeah, five well, million. That's half. Good maiden speech. That is half a Mary Black. That is what that is. A half a Mary Black. <laughs> Kemi Badenoch was her maiden speech was pretty powerful. That is Kemi Badenoch, who's the, of course um, I can't remember what I can say. MP for Casey and the Sunshine Band. No, 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 no. Kemi Badenoch, Badenoch, Kemi Badenoch. We sing that a lot in our house. Um, it's not, don't all look at me like my house is really tragic, okay? I first learnt it from Joby Mackinoff when he was playing for Crystal Palace, but her name fits that song. Um, yes, she is talked up, but I'm not to see. These maiden speeches, I mean, this is the thing, Laura Pidcock's maiden speech was talked up a lot, but she is quite Corbynista, isn't she? She's extremely Corbynista. Well, then she's an idiot. I think Next. The next Labour leader is going to have to be a, at least somebody who didn't oppose Corbyn. The members won't, the members won't no, accept no, anybody who opposed Corbyn. No, I don't buy that at all. I don't buy that at all. This is we're way off topic here, but um, Labour only learns its lesson after it's lost four times. Okay, it's now lost three times. They don't think they lost. They did lose though. Yeah, they, they don't think they, they lost. They did lose, John. I love this. And, and, and I get that. They will lose again. Okay, with Corbyn in charge, mm-hmm. and then the party will wake up and go losing's a bit rubbish isn't it let's get somebody in who might actually win then Chuko Umuno will go hello I've just been sitting here for the last 10 years waiting for your call and everything will change I don't I know they will sweep away the Corbyn wing after the next massive defeat that is coming down the road no I'm sorry I don't don't believe that for a minute I why think, not I think Where's they've, your, I've given, they've I'll convinced you themselves loses four times. well you just need to listen to the, the the party and the members, they've convinced themselves that the, the centrists, the sort of social democrats, or anybody who seems vaguely like a Blairite, are no better than Tories. When you were at Exeter University with Tim Montgomery, yes, what did and Sadie Javid, what and, did you uh, study? Robert 
Uh, politics. Right, not history. So forget it, you're wrong. Okay, <laughs> Labour has to lose four times and then it learns its lesson. Also, the, the Corbynistas I know, they're a pretty fickle bunch. Like, it doesn't take much for them to change their allegiances. Like, as soon as the... As soon as the because everything moves in this kind of mm-hmm. social media bubble. It's so social media orientated. And one person turns their back on Jeremy Corbyn, some Instagram influencer, and suddenly yeah. it's like, oh, he just scrapped his student loans pledge or downgrazed it to an ambition and suddenly the momentum just turns against him that's the thing about momentum but bit by bit yeah I think you're right but not in a big way right it's not a big swing against him bit by bit like as you say there'll be an influence and these people will suddenly go oh actually he's not so good and then a few few months later people go oh actually and then another lot falls away and another lot falls away and then you lose an election and they go actually we need something else but I mean I'm not saying that the Corbyn cult is going to last forever I'm saying anybody who has has opposed Corbyn has been seen to be one of the wreckers and the opposers even if people become disillusioned with Corbyn they'll foster bad memories of those people the people who are seen to be undermining him is what I'm saying everything in politics is about not being seen as the saboteurs really isn't it the you know the Brexiteers will you know when it all goes wrong when Brexit all goes wrong the Brexiteers will say it's the foreigners what done it or it's the moderates what done it right Uh, you know obviously I've covered, covered Scottish politics I've seen it first and to be fair when, when people lose and their cause loses they say well who done it to us you know it can't be that our cause was wrong and yeah the Corbyn cause is similar right much like that Tim Farron that happened to him former Lib Dem spin doctor is there some sort of oh he was stabbed in the back by the by the Vince Cable lights no I think with I think with Tim Farron uh, it was much more about he, he really did struggle um, with his leadership role and his, <laughs> and, his, and his beliefs hey if we're looking for a, a leader still for this new party yes. last night I finally finished reading the memoirs of this hip young gunslinger Ken Clark oh <laughs> no, Ken Clark okay. um, he's possibly knocking on a bit really, he, he? he is but he's but, very wise isn't he yeah I mean he, he, what he could be is somebody who could kind of hold the fort for um for a younger leader, to groom a younger leader, rather like, say, in the, the mid-1990s, Ron Atkinson did at Coventry City for Gordon Strachan. Uh, yeah, oh, um, he's 86. <laughs> let's, let's be clear, yeah, uh, Ron Atkinson is a noticed racist, and Ken Clark is not. No, no. Right, let's, let's be quite clear on that front. But I'll tell you what, here's a slick thing, all right? Um, we've gone, the whole model for this podcast has gone out the window because we're, we're talking too much, but um, if we're going to talk about Ken Clark noted serial attempter to win the Tory leadership. Oh, Tory leadership. There's been a lot of talk of momentum this week, hasn't there? Hey. Um, Seamless. Jacob Rees-Mogg. Um, go on then, Matt. Uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg, I believe if he became leader, you would, what, dress up, paint your arms blue, <laughs> and man the barricades for a man who's never changed a nappy despite having six children, the sixth one called Sixtus. Do you know what? It's... It's fascinating. Something has turned over the weekend from this becoming a, a ridiculous, outlandish notion to a suggestion that's a kernel of truth. In this. No, it has, it's still an outlandish suggestion. Like, it, it, it is, it is, but it looks like there's something happening on both on social media and with quote friends in the media who've obviously been briefing. Um, and you say it's outlandish, but if, if you if you look at the history of Conservative leadership elections, we all assume that the Tories love a winner. The Tories will always yes. go for it. Yeah. But actually, I think I'm right in saying that only twice in their history have the full membership elected a leader. Because Hague was elected by the MPs. So only Ian Duncan Smith and David Cameron 
were elected by the membership. Haig was endorsed by the membership, wasn't he? He was elected by yeah. the MPs, but then he then went to the membership to say, hello, do you like me? And I was like, yeah. well, we can't say no now, can we? <laughs> so, so they've elected him twice, and 50% of the time they've gone for a winner, or 50% of the time they've gone for a headbanger. So, so there is, so, especially in this, um, this febrile mood at the moment where we're told that what people want is authenticity and this is why the Labour Party have um, embraced or at least the membership the new membership has embraced Jeremy Corbyn so much I'm not sure it's completely bonkers to suggest that were there to be a leadership campaign and this man were to stand up and say that you've been sold a pup over the last few years that you haven't you've, you've been paying your dues and coming to conference and going to meetings and you've not been offered true conservatism that what remains of the Conservative Party, which is something like about forty-five to 50,000 members, yeah. who are largely elderly and very conservative, you know, it's, is it so unlikely? Well, I believe, I'm, I'm led to believe that there was a poll and the membership were given a, a range of choices and the Morgadron came second, despite not being on the list. It was any other option. And so many people wrote in the Mog that he came second, which is pretty remarkable. And also, we know how party memberships work. Like, these leadership elections come around and suddenly there's a whole lot of new members and they're young and there is this thing among the, among the like, old fogies who are actually very young of the Conservative Party that they don't... They, they're used to being the butt of so many jokes and I think it's now like, ooh, Mogmentum, yeah, we can get behind that. That's kind of cool in its way. And there are... There is a thing, and I mean, I don't like it, but like that guy who got the tattoos invited to Parliament, that Mogmen tattoo, it's ridiculous, but like those people could just sign up. There's cheap student membership for the Conservative Party. Like those 50,000 members, they could just times by three, like they did for Corbyn. I suppose, but isn't the question here, I suppose, if you're going to draw the comparison with Corbyn, Corbyn obviously went out on the stump and was better on the stump than unbelievably was better on the stump than the mighty titans of Andy Burnham, Yvette Cooper, Owen Smith and Liz Kendall. And let's face it, most people would say Liz Kendall was second best on the stump. Is the Mog any good on the stump? Has anybody actually seen anything from the Mog to suggest that standing in front of a crowd, standing up at Prime Minister's questions, that he's actually any good? He's rather good. I mean, I don't like him. I wouldn't want him as leader of the Conservative Party. But... That speech he did on housing was very prime ministerial, statesmanly in Parliament. Did anyone right, has anybody seen the speech on housing? No. no. There's a lot of blank looks around this table. <laughs> oh, we know who's the uh, the Mog fan here. Wow. <laughs> no, no, I was oh. story on Every night, go home, YouTube, <laughs> Mog speeches, yeah. It just got quite a lot of track. He was just... Yeah. Oh, no, this was after Grenfell. After Grenfell, yes. yeah. Yes, no, sorry, I, we're mocking you and I'm just unfairly because now I remember it. Yes. You're right. He did make a very it was just quite. Um, I don't. Un, but it was unmoggish in that it wasn't. Well, you know, in the nineteenth yeah, century, it was just we quite. Didn't have so he does have that side. Yes, it was a bit more considered. I think he's more serious than touch. he lets on in a way. Is he? I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, I, 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 I genuinely don't know. Way, really, I, I genuinely. Don't, I don't know the guy. Obviously, I know him from his public persona, but I think he's um, got a plan. I still think it's August nonsense. Let's face it. <laughs> All right, well, there we go. Let's put it to a, a, a sort of vote as such. Uh, Mogmentum, August nonsense, or something to it? Matt? I, I think there's a kernel of something in this. Olivia? I agree, only a kernel, but yeah. John? I remember back in about sort of 2001-ish, uh, I can't remember the date, but back when Boris was an MP for the first time, mm-hmm. and um, he was quite a popular chap, and... Um, 
there was a bit of a space I saw in the paper saying, wouldn't it be funny if, if Boris Johnson stood for leader? And everybody laughed because it was so stupid. Like, obviously he never would because he was a clown and silly. Okay. Um, so things can change. Conference. Watch Tory conference then, eh? Well, we'll see if the bog is on manoeuvres at the conference, it's fair to say. Um, just talking of uh, August nonsense and... Uh, interesting characters in politics I have to refer to Alex Salmond mainly because I've written a column about him for the New Statesman and his joke his big sexist joke (laughs) Alex Salmond, former First Minister of Scotland is doing a show in Edinburgh and his joke was I said I would have uh, Melania Trump Theresa May, Nicola Sturgeon or Ruth Davidson here but I couldn't make them come to the show Ah, essentially what he said was all women are sex objects and I am shit at sex and that is basically the kernel of that joke joke I'm using in words Um, were we all surprised appalled or are we all am I sitting around a table of English people who have just forgotten Alex Salmond even exists (laughs) Um, I found I'll word this carefully I found some of the coverage around it a little odd. I mean, I didn't find it particularly sexy. I just found it just a terrible, terrible a joke. joke. Um, I mean, it's it's just it's poorly written. It's poorly timed. It doesn't work. It sounds like something from the comedian circa 1976, yeah. which is going to be lost on a great percentage of the leadership and indeed 25% of the people sat at this table. Um, yeah, it was. I I find it a little demeaning that somebody who's hold, held that office yeah. is, is doing that. But beyond that, I can't really get worked up too I much. I do find that you cannot imagine a politician of that rank. You know, he's former First Minister. He's, you know, whatever. He sits around with the Queen and stuff. You know, Prime Minister, First Minister of Wales, Northern Ireland, Scotland. They all hang out together and stuff. Uh, well, I say hang out. It's not like they go down to the disco and stuff. But, you know, um, and to make something as crass as it's, that... It's kind of something you'd expect from the, a, a Lembe opic. Yes, but not absolutely. You know, not somebody who was, you know, whatever you thought of uh, Alex Salmond and his politics and the way he conducted himself, he he was a a, a politician of a certain yeah. gravitas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I Maybe think he thinks Trump's got the right idea. Well, I mean, uh, my column, the, the gist of my column is that he he represents the SNP and that they are they haven't got any good material. They're not quite sure what to do next. Um, they're slightly adrift this summer and I think uh, he kind of sums that up but I just thought it was remarkable really Um, and of course he introduced David Davis Brexit Secretary as his good pal which I'm sure (laughs) all that 100,000 SNP membership uh, who have been told for a number of years that the Tories are wicked and evil and anathema in Scotland were of course well aware that Alex Hammer was chumming around with uh, David Davis all the time in Westminster who would have thought it? Anybody want to give me other big events from the week that I should talk about? Yeah, I wanted to uh, very quickly have a moan right about the Labour Party. Oh well, I'm always open to moans about the Labour Party. The Labour Party, Party have been running a campaign, um, having a go at the Tories for raising the state pension age from 66 to 68. This may sound a bit boring, but actually it affects millions of people. It means you won't get your pension for a couple of years and l- later. And in a sense, it means you're losing money because you get less state pension before you die. But what they don't mention in any of this publicity material is that um, the, the state pension age is increasing the six shape because of a law introduced by Labour in uh, 2007. Mm. Uh, I just thought I'd mention losing this. Money? Yeah, you lose. Well, if the state that's pension... That's not how pensions work. You pay, you don't, that's not quite how no, it no, works. No, 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 no. In terms of when you start receiving your pension. 
you have to wait later until you get it. So it means that you're going to get less throughout your lifetime. My children and grandchildren are going to pay my pension. I'm not paying my own pension. That's not how it works. No, you will get less money from the state. Right. But that's because you won't get your pension for until you're 68. Which okay. means but that I mean, you, you will, will get probably less have money a few more years of life because that's why the pension age is Come on, none yeah. of us are going to retire anyway. That's the trouble with the pension <laughs> stories. Does anybody around this table actually think they're going to retire? Oh, God, I'm 23. I'm never going to retire. <laughs> well, I'm 40, <laughs> nearly 41 and I'm never going to retire. So I can't believe anybody. Do you really think you're going to retire? You're, you're like a, a like a big deal, Matt. You're like a, a guru. Are you going to retire at 55? I don't think there's a chance, no. Are you working <laughs> local newspaper? No, sorry. Take uh, that back. On, on the, the point that you say about um, Labour forgetting it was they that introduced the law, you thought that that wasn't Labour as far as this Labour is concerned. You know, this, mm, it's like a true. superhero um, series that's rebooted. They don't consider anything that happened uh, prior to Corbyn's election part of the canon. Yeah. How does that right. work then if they're a superhero that's rebooted? Well, is you, Corbyn Michael Keaton Batman? Or is he he's uh, more, he's Michael Christian Bale Batman? Or is he uh, the fat old man Batman that we've got now? He is uh, George Clooney Batman, oh. the worst Batman. Uh, <laughs> hang on, right? First of all, that wasn't a reboot. That was a continuation of the Michael Keaton series. And that's not that bad. I think that's a bit harsh on the Batman old George and Clooney. Robin. Well, it wasn't great, but, you know, I don't think that's the worst Batman. Go on, the one where, that, that one, Christian Bale and Bane, where he's, he's talking all funny, and then he blows himself up at the end. That's rubbish. I'd take George Clooney over that. What was it? Dark Knight Rises every time. It's controversial. It's Dark Knight Rises just goes on and on and on. It and was, he blows himself up and he's not dead. It was <laughs> very long and also made absolutely no sense. Is he the Lego Batman? Yeah, I like well, the Lego Batman. Batman. is a good Batman. Right, so yeah. is that Jeremy Corbyn? Which one's Jeremy Corbyn then? Well, if you're a Corbyn George Clooney's not a Lego. reboot. Um, so which reboot is he? I mean, I would say... Corbyn is actually more like Adam West in that he's sort of camp and funny and you know entertaining if a bit of flim, you know flimsy basically. Is that fair? Um, I think that his um, his supporters would probably argue with that, but yeah, you make a fair point. Um, shall we? Shall I, I mock Olivia's youth here and just you know? You've no idea what we're talking about, have you? <laughs> no, you no, don't really. know any Batman's at all. I know. I know, I know the Christian Bale one. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what's, who's the fat old guy that's Batman now? Um, oh, oh ben, Affleck. ben Affleck. Oh ben no, Affleck. he's the worst Batman. Oh, the worst. <laughs> you blanked it. Oh. Batman versus Superman. Oh my God! I I went to see <laughs> that. That, that was a bad. That oh, is a bad. Film. It was eighty scenes shown in a random order. Really Two long. Hours, Forty it's minutes. Really long. Uh, and then Wonder Woman appears. Yeah. yeah, and and Aquaman is just that, just a flag up. Oh, is Aquaman in this <laughs> Yeah, just just for one scene, just a flag up that they've okay. got a new franchise coming. Yes. Well, we've got Justice League coming at the end of the year, which I, I'm assuming I should avoid. Wonder Woman wasn't that good. Everyone's like, "Oh, Wonder Woman's amazing." It really, really wasn't. Um, right, we haven't talked about superheroes. So a surprise. Um, Jeremy Corbyn as a superhero. That is a surprise. Um, listen, this has been far too long already, but we will quickly squeeze in. I love your questions, and the jingle still sounds like this. I love your questions. I love your questions. I love your questions. Um, John, you had a shot last week, so you don't get a second shot, because you might have Googled it in the meantime. Sorry. Um, Olivia, the question is, um, in the entire works of Shakespeare, how many times does... Use the word birthday. 
70. 70? That is the biggest. <laughs> I, think got, really bad I think we've got these. 0, 1, 2, and 3, and now we've 70. got 70. Okay, that's going to drive well, if me it's out. Well, if it's up to like, if it's 50, then Why I'm not? right. Yeah, absolutely. If it's over 6, then you win, basically. Yeah. Uh, Matt, you want to have a go? Yeah, I was going to Google it before coming. Um, we'd be cheating. Yeah, you so we've. Uh, yeah, we've shown your true colours there. We've established it's not 0, isn't it? So no, we haven't established it. Not. There's been lots of guesses, but no, okay. no, no. The answer you will find out on the oh, fourth, fifth, sixth of, oh, sixth of September. I think it's going to be. I'm going to say zero. You're going zero. I think somebody else has gone zero, but you know that's fine. If the answer is zero, that's quite a cheap trick you played there, Joe. It was set by Martin Whitfield, and he is a teacher. And if teachers are anything, they set really annoying questions like that, don't they? Or is none? Well, so, seventy. You've got to find out. Um, okay, listen. I will say uh, thank you to my guests, uh, John Walker. Again, are you joining us next week, John? Are you still in Paris looking at traps and John the dog poop? I'm going to be in Paris having a lovely time. Are you? Eating next a lovely restaurant. Yeah. Oh man, uh, I've got like a spy on next week and everything. Oh, actually, no. Sorry, I'll be back. <laughs> oh, you're going to come back especially on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, I will say thanks to Olivia for joining us for the first time. Hopefully you'll join us uh, again. And thank you to Matt. Uh, you're not coming on next week because I'm better to do, I seem to remember. Um, I am at a friend's choir performance in Limehouse. That is not something better to do, but <laughs> you know, that's, uh, you're not on next week. Uh, thank you all for joining me. Um, yes, I said that if you tuned and stayed long enough, I would let you know the uh, discount code for my book, The Gender Agenda. Uh, it is L7. If you go to JKP, JessicaKingsleyPublishing.com and put in L7, you get like 10% off and I get 9p less for my holiday fund. But, you know, buy it at full price if you want. Um, and uh, if you want to get in touch, I am at Political Yeti on Twitter. I am Political Yeti at gmail.com on the email my website is james-miller.com and by all means tune into Women's Hour on Monday to hear me talking about all sorts of gentry stuff with uh, Jane Garvey which will be quite uh, embarrassing because I'm a total Jane Garvey fanboy frankly and uh, tune in next week for another uh, Political Yeti's Politics podcast hopefully involving a spy and a failed MP thank you <laughs>